Welcome, everybody, to episode number 32 of the Roses and Rhetoric podcast. Joining me, as always, my charming co-host, Joseph Stanford. A fun-filled episode today. Probably going to do about a half hour today. Joe and I have uh, some things we've got to get to, and also we didn't prepare much for today. So that is the reason for the shorter uh, episode. But Joe, as always, we begin the recap of your week. Yes, I and just to start, I love these these more spontaneous episodes. I think they are uh, <laughs> where our notes are more of the, uh, the non-materialistic flavor. <laughs> right. I, I think these are always the best ones. We just let it happen. Oh, there you go. Uh, my week, my week's been fantastic. I came back from Arizona, but back up to Oregon. Oregon's finally turning to summertime. There were some uh, recent mask announcements made by the CDC that uh, I'm hoping that the city takes into account, starts opening up some things a little bit faster. But it's been a good week. There's been uh, some current events happening this week that um, I'd like to talk about a little bit. Um, I know that you're, Jim, very involved in, in the uh, oil and gas industry. And as you know, there was a big uh, blockage well, in the pipeline this week. My, my wife, just to be clear, not me, but anyways, yes. Yes, you're 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 in the, a big oil household, if you will. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, so the, the household's modest size, but yes. So it, just to recap, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but what happened was there's a big gas line that goes on the eastern coast of the United States, and that gas line, some of the computers that control the pump stations, that control the equipment that moves the gas from point A to point B, was hacked. Um. And we're not exactly sure who hacked it. Um, last I heard, it was uh, likely Russian-related, maybe not connected to Putin, but still in Russia. And the result is it's ransomware hack. So what that means wow. is that they hacked the equipment and they say, we're not going to unhack it. We're not going to give you your files back. We're not going to give you your functionality of the pipeline back until you pay us a lot of money. And from my, uh, what I understand, the, the company itself, the private company, Colonial Gas or whatever, Hmm. Uh, actually paid these people $5 million to get huh. regained functionality of their pipeline. Huh. So I, have, have you been up to speed on this? No, I have not. I knew of the hack. I knew of the fallout that it was on a, on a pipeline of some sort. I, I couldn't even mm-hmm. tell you the material, if it was a crude oil or if it was natural gas, you know, they all use I pipelines. Think, I don't, I, I haven't followed it. I think, I think it was you know, gasoline. We got gasoline. Okay. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I knew there was a hack. I knew that um, people suspected foul play. And so there was like a hack versus a glitch, right? So it wasn't like a mistake, but like it was something intentional that happened. But I did not know the ransomware angle. So that is interesting. And shockingly little money, $5 million. I mean, this is, <laughs> I think they might be able to get more. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, think of, I think of the uh, implications for this. From, from what I understand, it's been pretty devastating. So that's why I'm thinking five million to me sounds a little low. Uh, maybe I don't know the numbers on this, but it seems like that'd be a lower ransom. It's almost like when uh, Austin Powers 2, right? When uh, Dr. Evil holds the world ransom, but it's like for some small amount of money, they're like laughing at it for, you know, not being a very serious threat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, they ended up paying it in cryptocurrency is what I heard because hmm. it's somehow less traceable. Well, if they paid the- it. Earlier in the week, they got uh, fucked, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> depending on when they paid. So, so I, I don't know. Obviously, the biggest threats of paying the ransom is that like they don't have to do anything. Like maybe it won't work. Maybe you just send the money and nothing happens. They don't give you your right. files back. 
or they do it again um, they think or happen. yeah people are like hey that was, that was pretty easy let's let's do it again five million bucks that's a that's not a bad day at the office um you know when it reminded me of is of course the book that we when we talked to phil lacovara on the show about uh, uh his book mm. and about terrorist threats in that book as well and um you know you and i were talking about people are legitimately concerned about attacks on the grid and i hope yeah. people understand this is a part of the grid i mean th- this is energy transportation it's not a power line it's a pipeline but they're both generating energy and to, to some capacity and sure. uh, of course this is vital infrastructure as well and so i mean it, it, it is an attack on something instrumental in other words it isn't just an attack on a company per se but it has as anybody can see from the consequences it has pretty wide fallout when one of these attacks happens and it's obviously a serious threat i mean it's easy to kind of laugh these things off as oh it'll never happen it's just you know science fiction it's this and that and then boom it happens <laughs> and now all of a sudden it's no, it's no longer a joke it's real yeah it's it's real seven dollars a gallon for gasoline in virginia most places uh, aren't yeah. even selling gas anymore but hopefully that situation is improving and you're right it is a uh, these, these systems have a lot of vulnerable vulnerability baked into them. And um, if I could, I, there, there is a, a tweet I'd like to share. It's kind of talking about this by uh, the great Scott Adams. And this is what it says. As long as it's not Dale. No, this isn't Dale. This is, okay. the, real <laughs> this is, this is the real OG Scott Adams. All right. And uh, he says, quote, the pipeline companies should hire the election software makers to make some unhackable software for them. I there hear they are the only ones who can do it. <laughs> Why didn't we think there, of that? There you go. As long as they don't hire the people that made the uh, Affordable Health Care Act website rollout, I think we'll be <laughs> in good shape. Um, I, I, I'm always surprised, and I think you maybe share the same as well, that there aren't more attacks. I think we've talked about that before. I mean, there's so many. It just It, it just seems like and I guess kind of on the outside, I, I obviously don't know, but it just seems like uh, these attacks could be somewhat easy. And like I always just think of not even hacking into software like this, but just think of like how many people use bullshit passwords, like one, two, three, four, or mm-hmm. A, B, C, D, or their name or whatever. Um, I don't think, you know, unless you've had your identity stolen, I don't know that any of us, even people that work at these companies, are we really being diligent enough? I mean, like when I make a new password for my profile online, I basically use like the same password and like change two or three things in it. And I've used the same password for like any number of things uh, that are fairly important, you know, whether it's my bank account or my locking to my computer. It is it. I I had the feeling, I know I'm not the only one that we just, we're not really cognizant that Americans have had it so good for so long that we have kind of forgotten how vulnerable a lot of these things are and to me it very much ties into the notion of whether or not we want to be a serious country or not like if we're just not going to take things seriously if we're all just going to use bullshit passwords and we're just going to have you know kind of the the fly by the seat of our pants uh, comprehension of the danger of it or something then i think we're in very dangerous waters and maybe events like this cause people to take more stock of things that they should be more serious about whether it's, you know, how many people have access to your phone, how many, you know, what, what's your password on your phone, what's your password for your, like, what, what's your pin on your bank account? I mean, just any, any of these things that just make us vulnerable, not as individuals, but also just as, you know, if, if you're working for a, a company, for a pipeline company or an oil company, and if you just don't 
if you're just not serious about, you know, making your passwords something that are well thought out, you're just a weak link in the chain. I mean, you're just part of the problem at that point. And so I, I do get the, the sense that we don't take these threats seriously enough and that we've just have had it so good for so long that, you know, for many people, I would suspect, you know, our biggest fear of like somebody getting our password on our phone might be that like, they read like, a, you know, a text that was embarrassing or something. But like, is anybody thinking, well, or if that phone is what you used to log into your work computer, now that's one step closer to somebody. Like I work for a utility. Like if somebody got my phone, it would be that step, one step closer to being able to, you know, I, I personally don't have a job that you'd be able to do a lot, but that's irrelevant. Plenty of people could. Right. And it just seems that uh, all of us should, should take this stuff more seriously. And I, again, I don't think that we do because we've had it so good for so long. And um, I mean, I these ransomware attacks have happened on places like hospitals where like they'll just like take over a hospital and server or something and demand money. And yeah, they're and, a lot uh, more common than, than you would think. Yeah. And I guess people just pay it like that's yeah. I mean, like, what's the alternative? Well, and how would you ever find these people? I mean, again, I don't know enough to know how you would find these people. But like, right. say this happened in Russia or something, what would you do at that point? It's, it's, I, I don't know. Are we going to go to war because of pipeline? I, I doubt it, but I mean, it just, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's concerning to me, you know, my, my first job at the utility was just a very high level understanding of the various, you know, ways that even something like a printer could be used as a way to get into the company network that could then mm. be used to hack something. Or, you know, when we think of hacking, we think of like hacking a computer, like you work in, you know, you understand that aside from just computers, there are also devices out in the field that are sending information to and from different things out in the field. It could be, you know, a microcontroller or a little sensor or something. Like even being able to hack that could screw something up. If you cause a bad reading somewhere and they had to like shut the plant down because the thought it had to blow up and it didn't, you know, that could cost a ton of money depending on how long it takes to work out that problem. And so all of these links in the chain are vulnerable and again, it's just a matter of how serious we want to be as a country. Do we want to re realize that, that we are under threat all the time from non-state and state actors? Or do we want to just pretend that, you know, our worst our phone can be embarrassing or something? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, first thing is like, why do we even have passwords anymore? Like, it's 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 the 21st century. Like, right. We have faces. We have fingerprints. Right. We, have, metric, yeah. we have thumbs. Like, what? why are we still messing around with passwords? Like, something that's totally reproducible like that. And then, because, dude, I swear, like, every, like, six months or so, some password gets compromised. Like, Google. I got, I got an email or... today from a company. Yeah. I won't give it out. But it said, you know, our profile, whatever, has been compromised. And I don't even remember having a profile with this company. Probably back when I graduated, I was looking for jobs or something. But it's, it's, uh, it, it, it is scary how at any given point in time, how vulnerable we are. Like, I, I know people personally who don't do any banking online. It seems to me a little extreme, but I get it <laughs> yeah, more. How do you, how do you not do online banking? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and they just don't. And I, you know, I, 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 again, I personally do online banking. They do not. But um, it's, again, it's a matter of how seriously we want to perceive the world. We want to pretend that it's just, you know, the internet is just this fun place or, do we want to acknowledge more readily and more? I, did, I just finished watching. I know you had asked me about this a few episodes ago. Um, the uh, Peter Thiel interview at the Richard Nixon Foundation 
I know we had a few of our followers tweet about it or something to, to that to that effect. Um, you got a, a lot of buzz talking about Bitcoin, but you know the actual lecture was much more broad than that, and it was basically you know a little bit off topic, but kind of similar. And it was basically a conversation of when and how America would start to be more honest about the threat of the Chinese Communist Party as a state actor, and right. it's kind of gradual waking up to the realization that this is a big deal. It requires our attention. It requires some kind of national strategy to figure out how we approach this. Um, and, you know, to me, the, the bigger theme around that is just an overall conversation about seriousness that what are, what are we as a country and as a, as a population, what are we going to focus on? What are we going to care about? What are we going to take seriously? And, um, there are a few groups that are putting out ideas for that, but not enough. And more than just ideas also, to me, the key point is strategy. What are we going to do differently? How are we going to behave differently? How are we going to act mm. to, to reach those challenges and, and, to, and to basically to, to be in the driver's seat to some extent of those changes? And um, I, I don't know, it's yeah. beyond me, but I'd like to know that those are happening. <laughs> People are talking about that and trying to figure out the answer to, to those questions. Well, I think that you know, it's going to require a serious reframe in the way we think about things now, because China literally is trying to take us out, take out our legs wherever they can. Mm -hmm. Like you look at, they're constantly trying to hack our grids, constantly trying to hack our systems. They're selling us fentanyl, which is killing tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans every year. Like compare that to COVID numbers, hundreds of thousands of people are just dying from fentanyl every year. And it's all from China. We know exactly where it's coming from. But I think that, and then you want to talk about like, carbon emissions, like 85% of the world's carbon emissions come from China. Like we're just drops in the bucket compared to them. So I think that there could be a productive reframe of not like, okay, let's cut back our emissions and try to set an example. I mean, we should do that, but let's look at China. Let's like, let's make yeah. China the our common enemy here against the yeah. global warming or whatever. I, I but, would but, like, but also, I, agree also, I agree with that but, on, on the climate issue, basically yeah. saying that we need to, to it's, it, we need to figure out a way of getting many nations to cooperate and we, no, we need to get China. To well, cooperate. no, but that's no one else matters. <laughs> well, I think India is a big player as well. And, and the U S is also still a big player, I think. So, I mean, it does require 15%. a lot. Sure. I, I, I'll, I'll trust your numbers on this. I, I'm, well, what I'm saying is that uh, I agree with you. And I think too often um, we miss that framing of understanding that, um, and, and this and this came up in, in the conversation with Peter Thiel, is this idea of trying to figure out, you know, are we doing enough to wrangle up our allies in these efforts and to really kind of form some kind of unified basis? And, you know, what does that look like? And what, what countries do we work with to, to make this, you know, a, 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 um, a, a front for, for really bringing these, these issues to the table? And I think, that's a fair point. I, and I don't know where I don't know enough about geopolitics to know how to answer that question, but I uh, would like to know that I think that people are working to figure out that question to build these alliances for that purpose. And I think another one of the big problems that's going on with China is that one of our uh, one of our past politicians like really went out and demonized China and like made them seem like a bad actor and called it out. And I think that society as a whole has a tendency to just take whatever that politician said 
and then say the opposite and go with the opposite, run with the exact opposite, 180 yeah. of what he's saying. The so uh, like I, the not filter or something, just yeah. like whatever comes out, flip a bit on it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I think there's a little bit of that going on too, but um, my, my faith in, in governments to combat uh, global warming and, and climate change, et cetera, is uh, slowly faltering. I'm putting more of my stock in, in people like Elon Musk that are actually, right. I think, can make Trying to figure, yeah. I think it'll take like everybody. You, like you heard that Elon Musk, he, he stopped a, the he Bitcoin. Tesla well, will no longer send Bitcoin yeah. because that was my joke earlier. That the ransomware people didn't exchange that quick enough. They took a 10%. I mean, I think more. Yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't know the number, but they took whatever the hit was. They took a big hit. Um, okay, they took Doge. Yeah, Doge. She's happy, right? Uh, I, I think it will acquire everybody, but I do. The one thing I do like about some of these kind of firebrand people, you know, and of course, none of them are without fault, but I do like the idea that they are trying to create a vision of something like they clearly have an idea in their head that they're trying to put out into the world. And um, I think that that's a good place to start. And I do think there's a role for the eccentric visionary to kind of, you know, I was like thinking of like the joke with Adam Carolla of like, like the only way to build a railroad anymore is to have some crazy guy who goes out there and does it. And this is life's passion because, you know, it's all he ever thinks about. And right. maybe, there's a, maybe that's what it takes for some of these things. You just have to have a, a visionary person who just is tunnel vision and that's all that they think about. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the the um the framing like you were saying earlier and understanding the the global nature of these problems it, global problems require global solutions and it's not going to just be enough to go out and you know not try to get more cooperation from from china on some of these things i think it's obvious and and it should be it should be a starting point for many things and it's um the, the fact that we still have really innovative people in this country, I think, is something to not take for granted. Uh, and it does, and this kind of came up in the discussion with, with Peter Thiel, that the West still is kind of the, the seat for innovation. But mm -hmm. it's, it's unclear how sustainable that is because the time it takes from between innovation and copying, uh, you know, it's does the innovation matter that much if we're not able to protect these things like IP or something, if it's just yeah, being copied or stolen. It's, it's, it's like matter. the iPhone comes out with like a new feature on theirs yeah. and then Samsung closely follows it. Like iPhone puts a second camera on and then Samsung quickly follows Right, but even in this case, it'd be whatever the, the Chinese counterpart would be, it's like Huawei or whatever it is, you know, and it's just, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, again, it, these these conversations always get very detailed very quickly and I, I don't pretend to follow all of it but um i do think that uh it's a thing that we need to be spending i think more time trying to understand is what what is the long-term strategy i i feel very confident saying that a world where american or western values are the are the predominant substrate for various um uh, people's expectations is a very different world than one where the CCP is dictating those values. And I think that should be, you know, behind the impetus for how we approach these problems is, you know, does it matter? Yes. And here's why we don't want to have some ridiculous social credit score at work. 
we don't want to have, you know, a ridiculous surveillance state, et cetera, et cetera. And we should assume other people don't want it either and um, figure out ways of uh, making sure that it's American values that are spreading, not CCP values that are spreading. And I think yeah. you know, and CCP be- is a Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. No, listening. thank you for that. Um, so I, I agree with you on all these on all these points. And um, it's uh, frightening, exciting times, I guess. I mean, it's it, it's all so big. I mean, where would, any, where would anybody even start to under, uh, understand these things? I mean, mm-hmm. how do you understand the IT angle of this? How do you understand the, you know, technology angle on this, the military angle on this? It's, it, yeah, Hong Kong, Taiwan, et cetera. I mean, where do you start? I have, I, I don't know, but uh, it seems that, and I put myself in this camp of people that uh, it probably behooves us as Americans to understand the importance of the struggle uh, that's unfolding in front of us right now. Well, an- another example of that is is uh, what's happening in Israel and Gaza right now. Like I, yeah. that problem, that whole situation just seems so complex. It's just beyond right. comprehension. Start. Yeah. I think it's beyond comprehension. Yeah. And but there, it's, that doesn't stop people from pretending like they understand it and from picking their side and right. demonizing right. the other side. And it's like I don't understand where that comes from. How do people get such strong opinions on something that? Yeah they don't even understand i mean i definitely don't understand it i don't know about you I, where would you start <laughs> where would you start understanding some of it i mean i have no idea i mean even if you were to start in modern history going back to like the 40s or something you know even then would that be far enough back i don't know um yeah, I I don't have anything to add on the Gaza Israel fight. I uh, it it it's it's kind of scary. I mean, it's violence. Violence always is something to me that it's. I, of course, whatever suffering is happening right now is of concern. But it's always to me what's terrifying is this escalation. That's always possible. And uh, I mean, like I said, I don't have any analysis bring to the table. Which yeah. is these are things that always concern me because the. Uh, you know, the tail risk, if you borrow a word from Nassim Taleb, is always present with warfare like this. And it's, uh, it, however, however scary it is right now, could become much more scary, you know, very quickly. I, I will say, I don't, I don't know if this video is real or not, but Israel has this thing called the Iron Dome, which I, I understand to be yeah. some sort of like missile defense system. Mm-hmm. And there's a video of, because I, I guess Gaza has been launching like a thousand rockets a day at them or something. Right. But it's like literally all these rockets just flying over. And then you see these counter rockets just coming up right. just blowing them up in midair and it's yeah. it's it's amazing to see like it's like this video can't be real almost because it's so well like, imagine the precision and accuracy it's just right hundreds of missiles in the air at one time just getting obliterated midair like that yeah. that's pretty badass it's uh yeah like I how much technology goes into that probably a lot i mean it the um I, to, to me, what I think about is just what it would what, what would it be like to live under that mentality all the time? I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, think of in the U.S. You know, we basically have, stress you out. Yeah. You know, can you imagine? I mean, you have two pretty great neighbors. You know, for being honest. Yeah. It, you know, and uh, I mean, we used to get stressed out over North Korea. You remember that? Right. And what would? They, right. Exactly. Right. And uh, they're on the other side of the world. Right. Right. You know, as far as America goes, Canada, Mexico, those are A plus neighbors as far as, you know, a lot of things are concerned. <laughs> well, and, uh, yeah. I mean, and so I think, 
I, I think it's just one of those things as an American, it's, 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 it's incomprehensible. Like it's, it's, it, it's incomprehensible to imagine what it, what it would be like to live under threat of an airstrike. I mean, just imagine, imagine that. Like when you and I both grew up in Tucson, we would hear jets flying over. That was all training. You weren't fighting anybody. It was all training. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine if you heard a jet and you think, well, is it our team or the other team? I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, we, were, we heard these when we were going to high school. Imagine yeah, being well, in high school, hearing a jet engine going, oh, is that a good guy? Is that, is that our team or the other team? I don't know. Well, for like the Israel-Gaza situation, like it's not like the U.S. is like this isolated country on the other side of the world from their enemies. It's mm-hmm. like it, it's like Israel is like Arizona and right. uh, Gaza going to war with California. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it's Israel like right going next to California. Even smaller, probably like Israel's probably closer, to like the size of like Rhode Island or something. Yeah, no, Israel's very tiny. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I can't. I, I, I have always wanted to go to Israel to visit it. I mean, obviously, a very important place historically, and it'd be fun to go there. Celebrate just, your people. Celebrate, yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually not Jewish, which is not. I just always clarify that. I, I, I look Jewish to some extent, but uh, I, I'm not. But. Um, it would be fun to go there. I'm Jew- Jewish, Jewish, Jew- Jewish. Not yeah. not Jewish, but Jewish. Jew- yeah, Jewish. Uh, I think it'd be fun to go. I have a lot of respect for the Israeli people, and um, it'd be fun to go there. But I would just be so scared of like, well, like what's I know, especially now. now. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I a uh, horrible maybe, time to go there. Yeah, maybe maybe get a good flight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Great time. To good discounts between the, between this and COVID. Maybe get a really good discount on a hotel room, but. Um, Airbnb. But yeah, I, yeah, Airbnb. Um, but yeah, that'll be a trip for me because delayed a little bit until the into the future. As always, we will uh, hope for peace. But I mean, again, where that where do you begin to understand that conflict? I don't know. I don't I, think you know. I don't I, even think the experts understand it. I don't think so either. Because if the experts understood it, there would be a consensus. And there's no, so as far as I can tell, there's no consensus. Or, or maybe even you know from that consensus, a way to like prevent things from happening. <laughs> which clearly they did not so i agree i agree it's a scary time i don't think it's all scary i'm, I'm still very much optimistic about the future um i mean this is probably a darker start than most of our episodes but i don't i don't think any threat right now facing america or the west more generally is uh, indomitable i mean i really don't but i i do think it requires a a, a clear vision of um what is at stake? And uh, I think that is one thing we could all do a better job of understanding. You know, what is what is at stake with Western values versus the values of the CCP? Maybe start there and um, understand the consequences. But um, but anyways, anyways, on to, on to slightly less serious topics. We began a new segment with our musical correspondent. We've actually had some guest readers we're trying this out, kind of a prototype. And uh, we had, we trialed this last week, I think, Joe. And from what I can tell, it went really well. Tell us a little bit about who read it and a little bit more about the efforts that person is involved in with the podcast space. Yes. So um, for anyone out there that's ever played beer pong before, they should mm-hmm. be familiar with the uh, the celebrity shot. Yes. And what the celeb shot is, is it's uh you, you give you relinquish the ball to someone else so that they can have an opportunity to shoot on your behalf right and what we did was we took the celeb shot and we expanded it to our our, our music reviews from our chief musical correspondent 
And what that means is we, this past week, we reached out to another podcaster um, from the GNT podcast. Her name is Virginia. And she read the most recent musical review for us. And you guys can find that up on our Instagram at roses underscore rhetoric. And you can find the full video. And she did an awesome job of doing it. And uh, I think as a result, she's going to be our shout out for this week. Right, Jim? I think so, too. Virginia, thank you very much for doing that. It was a wonderful uh, oration of the review. I think you did a great job. Um, we're going to put her Twitter below or Twitter handle uh, at uh, Genius Kittens or Kitties, I think. We'll put that below. I already fucked it up. Well, you'll see it down below. And then also her podcast, make sure people know what this is like. It's a G, the letter G, as in, I don't know, pick a G word. And letter after you, h letter after h before h and then yeah, there you go it's only uh whatever time it is uh ampersand and then tea is in like the drink like i just had green tea because i was out of black tea so uh but, you know g g and t podcast and we'll be putting that below as well and uh, be sure to follow her supporter and um give her lots of uh retweets and other fun engagement because we really appreciate that this is fun it gives us another way to engage with other people when you start doing shows like this, you realize how many other people are doing shows and, um, you know, kind of part of our, our uh, mentality here at the Roses of Rhetoric Base Camp is uh, collaboration over competition. So how can we, you know, build a tent, so to speak, of uh, different groups, um, build that network, build that network. And so we're going to do that uh, this week with the GNT podcast and Virginia as well. Um, very good. Very good. Joe, I went to the worst gas station. <laughs> in continental u.s yesterday the uh, and i mean when i say the worst i mean the absolute bottom of the run i had a co-worker who told me about a app called sit or squat and basically indicating how you would actually use the commode in such a bathroom would you risk skin-to-skin -skin contact in this bathroom mm -hmm. or not i had a hard time risking the contact of this place with my shoes. I mean, I thought I needed a, a hazmat suit to be in this place. I thought a body might fall out of the walls. It was so bad. I walk into this gas station. And the first yeah. thing, you always know it's going to be a rough gas station, Joe, and none of the pumps work. That's always the key indicator right there. But all the pumps have a little plastic bag around it, not even, yeah, not even out of tape. order. Just, yeah, basically, it's like, is this a crime scene or is this out of service? I don't understand. I walk into the gas. And first of all, as you walk in, you notice that this sign is not only a, a gas station, also it's a deli. Whoever's eating cold meat from this place, I got to really wonder about their, uh, their IG health. I think they're not doing too hot right now. Mm -hmm. Walk into this bathroom and notice that uh, the tiles were worn out. It didn't mm. really appear to be any lighting. It was all ambient lighting. It, it, it somehow felt more humid than outside. It was like I was inside of a sponge mm. or something. Mm. Go to the bathroom, which shockingly had paper towels, which I'm always surprised when bathrooms are stocked up with paper towels and they look so horrible on the outside. I was, I was, I was happy to find that because you know and I know there's nothing worse than washing your hands and just having these, you know, soaking wet mittens and having to handle the doorknob or something. It feels grosser to be doing that. Than yeah, the, the, the germs just dry. stick to the surface attention yeah. of the wet hands, yeah. So I was happy to, luckily I only had to pee, which was really a blessing. And- um, Did you sit or squat? 
I, I, I stood, which I rarely do. But in this place, I should have been hovering. I mean, I, I really should have been like bracing myself on the walls or something to try to get above the ground. Hoverboard. <laughs> as I'm as I'm peeing, I'm seeing flies fly out from everywhere, and it's just the walls are obviously full of asbestos, and just you know, this whole thing yeah, looks yeah. horrible. And um, as I'm leaving, I see these two stoners try to explain to the cashier what kind of iPhone charger they need, and uh, that didn't go anywhere, of course, because the language barrier plus just the stoner speech patterns not being able to get the language across um it was so bad i didn't even risk paying with a credit card i paid with cash like luckily i had some on me i mean because i didn't want to risk them skinning my card or something scan and uh, it's a horrible experience and um it really made me grateful for the good gas stations that we have in this country now uh i'm thinking bucky's qt speedway you know all QT's these, a great one in any that's a good example of really having a good vision. You talked about Elon Musk earlier, the visionary behind the clean gas station. I mean, what a genius, right? I mean, what an open market to just really revolutionize how we um, experience convenience stores, actually making mm-hmm. them convenient, which is a heck of a change really. Um, so it, it, it just made me grateful for that. And I wanted just to take a moment. Again, we're not being paid by QT or by uh, Bucky's or anybody else. But if you're buying one of these really nice gas stations, stop in. Give them some business because they really do a good job of making your uh, stay there a little more pleasant than some of the alternatives. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, be respectful of the bathrooms when you go into yes. these establishments. Thank you. Yes. Don't don't pee on the walls. Don't no, sit don't, see, like, no, don't. don't do that. If you, some people must must not know where their asshole is. I mean, they, they sit, they, they people shut the seats. <laughs> do you not know where your asshole is? I mean, give me a break. What is that, Joe? What is oh, that? No, I I I found mine early on. I me too, me too. Important part of development. Now, yes, and let's let's take a step back here, Joe. You made you mentioned a good point. Let's not. I remember the worst time I ever had at an airport bathroom, which is of course mm. already a rough place to be, right? Because everybody's stressed. Lots of traffic. Out, lots of traffic. Um, I was in, now this is a true story. People think, Jimmy, you embellish. Of course I do, but not right now. I went to this airport bathroom and I was wearing rainbows. Remember the pair that I stole from you? The rainbow pairs? Yeah, you fucked yeah. up with your weird foot pattern. I have horrible. One day we'll put my feet on this podcast. We'll lose every viewer because my feet are so fucking horrible. People who don't know rainbows or sandals that have kind of that, that thick, spongy leather sole in them, the idea is that they somehow form to your foot, okay? It's also very absorbent. I was using a urinal, which I almost never use because I really can't justify, I, I, as Jerry Seinfeld says, when you're, when you're checking out of the, of the grocery store, you have that little stick because you want your items, but you want a little real estate, you want a little property. And I'm the same way in the bathroom. I want a little property when I'm in the bathroom. I was using a urinal against my better judgment, against my better instincts, really. And some guy, clearly drunk off of a flight, just starts peeing on my foot. And I don't mean a little like like a splash. Uh, I mean, on like, my rainbows? On your rainbows. I oh, mean, he just peed on my foot for like five, honestly, two seconds of pee. Now, that is a lifetime, Joe, in a, in a urine stream. I mean, think about how long that is. Two seconds. Peeing on oh, my wow. foot. My foot. It was so bad, the urine puddled up in the little footmarks of the rainbow. 
I was in the arch? walking in pee for like a minute trying to dry it out but of course you can't dry the rainbow because it absorbs it's it's into the soul mm. so when we're when we're all in the bathrooms let's all just remember that we're all you know we're humans we're not animals let's act like it let's not pee on the walls or do weird stuff with toilet paper or write weird obscure graffiti that no one can fucking understand just go yeah. to the bathroom and then leave and if you're paying Try to pay with exact change. Try not to have to do a bunch of change. Everybody should be using a card anyways. I know that I broke that rule when I went to this freaking place. Yeah, but, I yeah. had, but I paid with exact change. So I didn't even break the rule then. I wasn't, I wasn't holding up the line. But um, and, and, and also, don't pee on people. I, I shouldn't have to say that, Joe, but I, I do. Don't, don't pee on people. Come on. Let's all put that behind I mean, did, did you. Did you uh, put this guy in line? Did you... Uh... I couldn't. I, back? I was so flabbergasted. No, I didn't get him back. I was so taken aback by it. I couldn't yeah. believe it myself. I just had to sit there standing and pee. I mean, I really, it was, it was, it was what the hell is going on here? And, and it happened wow. for so long that my brain thought it actually couldn't be urine because there's no way somebody would pee on my foot for that long. It must be something else. But then I realized, no, it actually, it did happen to me. I was peed on. And now my shoes are ruined. Now, of course, I didn't throw them away because I, they're rainbows. They're expensive, as you know. Yeah, <laughs> as my checkbook knows. Yeah. <laughs> my but, bank account uh, knows. Yeah. So I, I still have them. And they probably still have urine in them. And that's, nice. this is the cross that I bear. But, you know, yeah, besides that, it's really a pretty good sandal. There's uh, nothing like an airport golden shower. Nothing like it at all. It was uh, a sight to remember. And a really more a feeling to remember, I think, more than anything. Um, I'm rereading Skin of the Game. I told you that before we began recording. Nassim Talib. We try to work him in every podcast. We're all big fans of Nassim Talib on this show. Um, probably his best book. I mean, I, again, I, I was telling you and our friend earlier, kind of, you can read his books in any order. Read them in any order. It doesn't matter what order you read them in, but you have to read Skin in the Game. I think this really holds a lot of the um, the formulation for the the questions that we need to get better at answering as a as a species. And namely, again, this notion of when we act in ways that have negative consequences, we need to make sure that we're the ones paying the price for our mistakes and for our risks. Mm. And um, Again, this guy over here peeing, clearly he didn't have sin in the game because he was probably drunk and peed on me with no consequence yep. at all. So no skin in the game there. Um, I, I know we're trying to wrap up a little early today, but yeah. uh, if you can flash that book cover one more time. For there us you go. So I'm looking at the cover and there's a there's a barbell on there and it's an yes. off, offset barbell. So you got yes. like three, four plates on one side and then you have only one plate on the other side. Uh, Real quickly, do you want yeah. to sum that up and explain what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So this, so the subtitle of the book is uh, "Hidden Asymmetries in Daily Life," and mm -hmm. the notion of asymmetry comes up quite a bit in Nassim's writing, and give people an idea of what asymmetry could look like. Imagine, imagine a financial situation where you could at most lose ten dollars but make a billion dollars or something to that effect. Um, depending on how much money someone charges you for that ability, you kind of get the notion of, of asymmetry. 
the uh, notion of asymmetry ties into like nonlinearity, the idea that and it, it's, it's a it's kind of like a lottery ticket, right? You're only putting down like a couple of bucks for the for the possibility right. of winning the, millions, hundreds of millions. Right. And the the um, the the key distinction with a lottery is that with a lottery, you know, the payout. And you, in a sense, you know the odds. And kind of a lot of the thinking with Nassim is to look for things that are that are maybe more hidden. That, you know, where you mm. the payouts unknown, the risks are unknown. There's this notion that he has in his work of the what he calls the ludic fallacy. The the idea that we try to, when we talk about probability in a textbook, we have the odds are given to us as part of a word problem. It's like blackjack yeah. or roulette or something. You can calculate all the odds. And in real life, we don't really have those variables, or we might, we, we, we probably don't have those variables. And so mm -hmm. you get into this whole framework of how do you think about probability and statistics when you're missing information? And it's a, this idea of how do you make decisions when you don't have an ability to predict the future? And that ties into the theme of anti-fragility, of kind of focusing on these system properties rather than trying to predict some kind of outcome. And which I, again, I think is, is, uh, a key mindset, if you will, for trying to, you know, get us into better positions. It's hard to implement. I try and do it myself. I fail probably all mm. the time at this, but it is interesting thought process of thinking, how do I make a decision today if I don't know the future? And, um, you know, something as simple as like eating healthy is a good example. It's like, why would you eat healthy? Well, I don't know what adverse thing I will face in the future, but I will probably be better off if I'm, if I eat healthy and work out than if I don't, you know, I'll probably be in a better position, whatever comes my way to handle it if I'm a healthy individual versus being unhealthy. And so right. that maybe would be more of an example of being robust. Um, but but there's all these there's all these ways of kind of thinking about uh, about system properties versus prediction models. And the the key reason for writing skin in the game is this idea that people who are who are clever and figure out ways of exposing them to positive outcomes while shedding off the consequence of negative outcomes onto other people. And so you basically figure out a way to make money if you win and have somebody else pay the price if you lose, you know, kind of the uh, heads I win tells you you lose type situation. And um, essentially, you know, the, that, that the poison that invites is it invites people to be risky because they know they won't be paying the price for it. And uh, as a result, they take those risks and they find people to pay for their, you know, miscalculation or, you know, if it's, if it's intentional, that's even worse. Uh, you know, if you know only rip somebody off or something, but, um, but the, um, I would say this book, you know, is definitely one worth reading. All of his books are worth reading, but, but getting into that mindset of, you know, are you, making sure that you're the one responsible for um, the negative outcomes of some bet that you're making and anti-fragility, figuring out ways of thinking about the future without having to predict the future are those are both worthwhile exercises that we should be engaging in. Um, and I think are necessary. And in a more and more complex world, it's unclear to me what other option we really even have other than to embrace these two uh, mindsets among others, but. I think necessarily these two should be a part of our framework for assessing problems in the future. Right now, about the future. We'll, uh, we'll have to add it to the, the official R&R uh, reading list. <laughs> on the reading list and um, be sure to follow 
GNT podcast as well. And put all that below. Um, do you have anything else? <laughs> Cover let me check up. my no- let me check my notes real yeah, quick. Let me check my notes. For anybody really, we really did have like three things written down on our paper today. Um, no, every now and then we do these shorter episodes. You know, we like to do them one a week. But uh, everybody who saw our episode last week with Grant Brogy, you know, obviously a lot of work goes into that. It's a lot of fun. But um, nice to have a break every now and then from doing yeah, shows yeah. like that. Um, we do have we do have some other guests we're trying to line up at the moment. Uh, I, I think our shows with guests are without a doubt our most popular. People like seeing the people that we talk to. Yeah. Which is good because we try to find guests that we assume our audience will want to watch. And so um, we're happy to say that so far we've been successful, I think, in finding guests that, that yeah, people yeah. enjoy what, listening to. Before we close out, why don't you tease some of the some of our potential new next guests coming up? Sure. Well, we have a, a potential, uh, potentially very soon, a potential guest coming on another uh, applicant, if you will, for the GM position for our softball team that we're all very excited for. Um, she should bring a very good perspective uh, to, to coaching and to being in sport. I uh, was a high-level athlete her whole life. Um, very excited for that one. And then a few other guests that pertain to the world of neuroscience. We've had a lot of good feedback from people that have seen the neuroscience shows. They seem to like those. Um, and Joe and I do as well. We have a couple of guests that we're lining up for those also. And then uh, eventually branching off into a few more topics that uh, we've talked about on the show before. Uh, some guests on scapegoating and violence and some guests on... Uh, I, I, how would I describe beginning our Beyond Infinity? How would I even begin to describe that book? Um, some 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 guests that are into that. We haven't reached out to them yet, but we plan on doing it very soon. Um, and into more discussions on 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 physics and really the philosophy of how science should gauge or interact with our ability to um, exist in this world. You know, as, as what, what yeah. does it mean to be human with a perspective on scientific and technological achievement yeah I'm, I'm very excited for that for all of those it's a we've got a broad spectrum of uh, episodes coming out so if you the listener don't like one of them if you're not the biggest fan of uh intramural softball then we've got neuroscience for you <laughs> got neuroscience and uh and we're always open to other segments as well so if you have any ideas let us know and we'll be happy to talk to people and get them on the show um all right, Joe. Well, I think that went pretty well. <laughs> another another, another uh, little half hour, Joe. But uh, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, and boys, check us out on our website, rosesandrhetoric.com, on Twitter at rose underscore rhetoric, Instagram at rose underscore rhetoric. Be sure to follow Joe as well at Jose four underscore squarevo and Instagram as well, Jose four underscore squarevo um, on that platform. Also, until next time, I'm Jimmy Hackett signing off for Joseph Sanford saying ciao.